News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendijk from Dutch Growers. It is a toasty one out there. Well... About to be a very toasty one out there. (laughs) Well, things get green just like overnight in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. We were watching watching it rain and then right after it rained, the rainbow came out across the lake and it's almost like everything just turned a different shade of green. It was bright immediately. It was amazing. Like the, the, it was just like watching the color change. Like that was quite, quite amazing. (laughs) It's always nice when you get to see things become green instead of. The fall switch, beautiful colors, but it means winter's coming. <laughs> yes, this is true. Now we get to enjoy summer coming up right away here. Exactly. But you know, yeah, across the province, we had some, you know, rain showers. Some places got lots, some yeah. places got enough, and some places got nothing. And so it's, that's the the prairies, right? The summer way. The summer way. <laughs> and so I just want everybody to remember that even though to with, with watering, especially these big trees, I was just looking out, just thinking about that as we started the show here, looking at all the spruce trees out here, and all the spruce trees have a whack of acorns at the mm-hmm. bottom. And that's because we've been in a drought the few last few years, and they're stressed. So just remember, don't get fooled by, you know, a little bit of rain you had saying, okay, these big trees, you know, that are 30 feet tall mm-hmm. uh, are going to be fine. So just remember to... They're big trees, <laughs> especially if it's all of a sudden 30 degrees. Yeah. And so just remember, yeah, if you if you got two inches of rain last night, you probably don't have to worry about it. But if you only got an inch of rain, then these tree, big trees are still probably going to need a one good deep watering at least once a month. And okay. always remember Rick's trick. He likes to take have a little piece of rebar in yeah. his toolkit and stick that down, down at the drip line about, of the tree. About drip line, about 12 to 16 inches down and see what the moisture is down there. And if you can't stick it down... That probably means that you either hit some concrete or you hit really dry soil. Okay. So, but if it goes down nice, then you know it's nice and moisture. So, uh, good moisture. So just remember that. And then in the other cases, if you had a lot of rain, mm-hmm. let's say, then just if you got a low spot in your yard, just probe that, those areas too. If it comes up just dripping, just around those trees, especially if you got newly planted trees, just make sure that you aerate, you know, mm-hmm. put some oxygen into the soil. Uh, if you're like Regina had some, yeah. you know, some last week, they had some two pretty good rains. Out yeah, in Regina. But sometimes the rain comes down so fast that you just get runoff around yeah. those trees yeah, it doesn't too. Seep and so it doesn't seep into the ground. So yeah. if you're on a slope or anything like yeah. that, you might think, wow, I've had lots of rain. But when you actually go down about two to three inches, it never yeah. actually soaks. Yeah. Especially in. in some of the older areas of town where you've yeah. got the great big trees that are sucking everything up, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so just, yeah, just watch because I, I see if we get another whole bunch of acorns on these trees again because of the drought. We're going to uh, start losing the tops. The, yep. whole, the tops are just going <laughs> to snap off. They'll be back off. in the parking lot again. Yeah, they'll be snapped <laughs> off again. So, uh, so just watch that and, um, and just say, just, I always say, even your garden and everything else, you know, keep things consistently watered. So don't, just because you had a rain cloud go over doesn't mean you stop watering, especially the big trees. Exactly. We're going to go to the phones. If you have a question for Rick or Jill, you can give us a call at one 332 8255 We'll start off with Ed in Balgoni. Good morning, Ed. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Uh, we've got some, uh, well, I guess they're called tower poplars back behind the fence in the backyard. Yep. And the last couple of years, they've been uh, shooting their roots. I guess I guess it's their roots and little poplars coming up all over the place. Yep. Uh, is, is there anything I can do with that? Um, just trim, keep trimming those poplars down. If you want, what you can do is that, uh, let's say they're on the other side of your fence, right? 
Yeah. So come on, come about six feet on your side of the fence, okay? About uh-huh. six to ten feet in that range, and then dig a trench and cut the roots, okay, from the big oh, tree. Okay. And then what you can do is any suckers that are beyond that, then what you do is you take some Roundup and you paint Roundup on the, on the leaves. But you want to cut the roots first. Cut the roots you first because you don't want that. Yeah. You want to sever the umbilical cord, right? So the, the right. root. And then you can go and paint because they're, they're, they're going to just keep coming up, okay? Right. And then if you yeah. dig that trench, what you want to do after you dig that trench is put a barrier down, even a piece of landscape fabric vertically in the hole, okay? Oh, and, yeah, okay. And just to stop the roots from growing back into that area again. And okay. how deep would that trench have to be? Well, you're going to want to be down at least 12 inches. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, see, our fence is about five, six feet from the poplars. Great. Yes. So, right. really I, I, I could dig it on the other side of the fence and between the poplars and the fence. Well, yeah, five feet is a little bit close. You want to be six to ten feet, okay? Oh, okay. Because otherwise you're going to cut too many of the main roots, right? And then roots, and then you'll have a problem that way, okay? So, right. so six to ten feet is a better distance to be away, so you don't have, you don't so you don't hurt the tree. Yeah, okay. And we got them coming like we've had them got an L a corner garden. Yep, it's only about four feet wide, sixteen feet long. Right. We're getting a lot of roots in there. Oh yeah, the poplar because every time you rototill, you nick the roots, and then you get poplars will come up. It, uh-huh. Whenever you nick the roots, and you can nick the roots by by rototilling, you can nick the roots by aerating your lawn. You can do anything like that. As soon as you nick the root, up comes right. a sucker. And in the garden, then I can't do nothing about it. Eh? Just, well, because how, the garden, yeah, the, that's all you can do is you can just dig up those suckers and uh, mm-hmm. themselves and just cut the root right where the sucker is. Okay, sir. Okay. I thank you very kindly. You're welcome. Thanks, Ed. Yeah, bye-bye. I know. Uh, we have Tim in White City on the line. Good morning, Tim. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Well, I've got a weeping birch, um, well-established, probably over 15 years old, 25-some feet tall. Um, everything else is green but it. And when I go and, you know, bend the very tips, um, it, it's still green, and it looks like the buds are there, but I'm just wondering, do you think it'll come back? Or? Yeah, I have a whole bunch of ash trees around the, around the garden center right now that are the same thing. And they've done that the last few years for some reason. I'm not sure why, but all of a sudden, in July, out pop the leaves. It's okay. the strangest thing. So don't be in a panic. Watch your moisture, okay? So probe the soil. Let's see what the moisture's like at, at you know out at the drip line of the tree. Yeah. And because uh, birches, I mean, they're not going to take a lot of water if there's no leaves on. But when they do have leaves on, they suck a lot of water. Yeah. And so it didn't the, the whole tree all of a sudden at once this year, or did the top start uh, slowly first the last no, few years? It's it's all brown right now. And and it and it was perfectly fine last year. Oh yeah. Yeah. So and and it probably kept all the leaves on from last year yet too, right? Uh, quite a few of them. Yeah. Yeah. So it might or not have shut down one uh, the birch, but I mean, being that old of a birch tree, that usually doesn't really matter. Sometimes if a boar got into it or something got into it. That would, uh, but you would notice that from the top down if it was a bore. So I don't think it's that. So I think there's just something that stressed it out, and okay. just make sure that once it does leaf out, uh, slow water, like deep, slow deep water to the tree around the drip line at, the, at least once a month. Okay, for that big tree. Okay. Perfect. And uh, not just the sprinklers on the lawn. I'm saying put the hose out there, let it dribble, and let okay. it run for like four hours. Let it soak. And don't and, fertilize after July 15th on that tree because you'll want it to shut down yeah, early this year. Yeah. You, <laughs> as, as soon as the leaves start to pop, give it one shot of fertilizer and then don't do any more this year. Okay, sounds good. Okay. 
Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Tim. All right, we are going to take a quick break. Then we'll get to Earl and Dave, who are waiting patiently on the phone line here. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt, back with Rick and Jill Van Dyke from Dutch Growers. You're listening to Garden Talk. We have a couple of patient people waiting for us on the line here, so we'll go to Kipling, where Dave is. Good morning, Dave. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Uh, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I've got a low spot on the farm here. It's uh, some pretty nice dirt, but it uh, water sits in it every year, and it's kind of getting dried up now. And I just wonder, is that dirt, is it kind of cleaned all out, like of nutrients and minerals and anything? Or can I use it? I've just got a few spots I thought I'd like to use for topsoil, and I just didn't know if it's a waste of time or not. Yeah, and it might be okay, because depending on what your soil is like, if it's some, like sometimes the low spots are a little bit more alkaline, right? So it all yeah, depends. It doesn't show any alkaline residue. Yep, then it'll be fine. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes our low spots, all the dirt kind of runs yeah. into those areas too. So sometimes you actually have some, some, some rich soil there. Some rich soil. But just remember, just remember, once you take the topsoil, you'll even have a lower spot. Well, that's okay. <laughs> uh, there's, there's one spot in the farm where we could have a little low spot. We'll get a dug out there. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, Dave. Bye for now. All right, now we head to Saskatoon, where Earl is waiting for us. Hi there, Earl. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Yes, hi. Uh, my question is, I planted a dwarf Korean lilac about 10 years ago Yep. in uh, full sun and a uh, good drainage area. Uh, the trees seemed very healthy and really liked the spot it's in until this spring, and there's no leaves, no buds, no nothing. It looks dead. Yep. Um, I bent a couple of branches. Uh, they seem really soft. And then I scraped them with my fingernail just to see what was underneath. And they're green, so yep. just, the, the tree appears to be alive. Yeah, just be patient with it. Aerate the soil around it, okay? Uh, okay. Just just to get some oxygen in the soil and just check what the soil level's down. I got, I'm getting quite a few pictures from Dorf Korea. And in fact, one, one person sent me one where they had a row of about four or five uh, top-grafted uh, Dorf Koreans. And every one of them were like just like yours, and wow. so and I have no explanation because those normally those plants they're tough they're tough as nails. In fact, I have one along the driveway at the garden center, and I went out. I after I saw that email with the pictures, I went up to my driveway because I have one along the driveway at the garden center, and mine's perfect. It's all budding out. It's even starting to bloom. And, uh, but, uh, but you're, you're getting some of those situations just like I'm having with the, the ash trees around the outside edge where they haven't butted out. So, um, yeah. the only thing I can think of is that, um, with sometimes with those, with those plants, if we get, um, a too quick of a, of a, of a winter, you know, and they don't right. drop the leaves and they aren't ready, then they get some damaged cell damage in them. Or otherwise, what happens in the spring, it warms up too quick and then it gets cold again. Then we also get some cell damage. But I don't see it with the Korean lilacs. That, that, that just baffled me when I seen those pictures of the, of different people, like, just like in your situation. But as long as that is still green, just don't overwater it, okay? Just probe the soil and just make sure that, because some people think, okay, well, now it's not living, I'm going to give it way more water, right? But right. probe the soil first, see what the soil moisture is down, you know, down, you know, 8, 12 inches down, and see what the soil moisture is like. And uh, by doing that, you can probe a bunch of spots, sort of, 
um, just at the, basically at the drip line of the tree at the outer edge of the branches and see what the moisture is like there. And um, if the moisture is adequate, I would just leave it, okay? If it's dry, then give it some little bit of more moisture. And, uh, and if it's really wet, just aerate as well, okay? Um, how do you aerate uh, Korean lilac? I, I, just, I just use a piece of rebar and just poke holes. Oh, and just aerate around it? Yep, just poke. What kind of spacing, uh, you know? Yeah, about, you know, 8 to 12 inches apart. Oh, perfect. Okay, and okay, then just do it that way. But but the only reason I can think of is there might have been some cell damage or something like that because of the winter time. but it's just very unusual for a dwarf green lilac. Right. Oh, well, that's encouraging. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll check around and make sure it's moist, and yep. if it's not, I'll give it a bit of water, and if it's uh, over moist, I'll aerate. And yep. What do you aerate about it? One to two foot area around it. Yeah, all the way. Just just go basically at the, to the just at the edge of the branches, all the way around the oh, whole right. plant. Oh, okay. So get a foot and a half out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. okay well, thank you very much. That's very helpful. You're welcome. Bye bye. Yeah, I think it's good to remember, especially when we're getting those early freezes and yes. so sorry, the early freezes in the fall yeah. mm-hmm. and then those late freezes in the spring. Um, after we have the snowfall, we get some bud damage on our trees and that delays some of the growth on some of the trees. So some of them might be affected and some not, just depending on the area. All right, fair enough. Um, we will go to June in Beachy. Good morning, June. What's your question for Rick and Jill? My question is, I have a couple bushes here, a barberry, kind of the thorny kind, and a nine bark that aren't leafing out. Yep. I have a few branches on the bottom that are leafing out, and in the nine bark, it's only towards the middle. They're about three years old. They're mulched. They're deep-watered spring and summer. Can I trim them, or do they need to be replaced? What I would suggest to do is, no, this, I wouldn't replace them because I had the same thing happen on the acreage where a bunch of my barberries, they, they die down a little bit to the snow level, and then they, they, they all you do is just take, just like the last caller, just take your pruners or your fingernail and just scrape the bark, okay, on them. And if they're green underneath, then just leave them. They'll butt out yet. Okay, if they're brown underneath, the, the just underneath the bark, just uh, you see the sort of like the sap, you know, underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you'll see that it's either green or brown. If it's brown, trim it off down to where you get to the green. Uh, otherwise, if it's green, just leave it because I never, I, I even tell people like if you got a plant, like I, I went out into the garden and we got a bunch of perennials that were really mm-hmm. late to come up. And so I went out there and tried to replace some. And I, in fact, I put a row of clematises in last fall and there's about 20 of them. And I thought there's only one that was coming up, so I go and start digging them up, and all of a sudden, no, this one's coming up underneath the mulch, and this one's coming up in the mulch, and so I had a whole bunch of extra clematis sitting around that I didn't know where to plant because all the plants are still good. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. one thing to remember is like a lot of times we get a little bit like, oh, it's not growing, I should just take it out and start all over again, but getting that root ball established is what's going to make that plant bigger in time. So you might have a year where it's delayed on the top, but that root ball is still getting bigger and more attached underneath, and, and that's going to make you have a bigger plant in the future. It'll, it'll actually, sur- once it gets growing again, it'll actually surpass. So as soon as you start, like your plant's there, you should be with a little bit of growth in the bottom or in the middle, like you were saying, is that you should be fertilizing with some 30-10-10, okay? Now, you're going to be using a, probably about, in the bigger plants, about a liter of water, and if it's even bigger than two liters of water on the shrubs, uh, mixed with 30-10-10, it has on the instructions how much to put in per liter of water, and do that every three weeks until July 15th. And then you'll get that plant to rejuvenate real quick. Because you've got to remember, even a barberry or even a nine bark, but every five, six, seven years, I cut them right back to the ground anyways and let them rejuvenate. Okay. Right? So this nature just did it 
for but you know, for you and so don't don't be worried about replacing it because you can get it to replace because like Jill was saying there's a huge root system there that's just ready to burst I also have a flowering almond that's about 10 to 12 inches or feet high and I'm kind of having the same thing go on they bloom at the bottom and at the top and nothing in the middle and nothing no yeah so there again you put did you have a snow drift in the middle of that plant maybe yeah, we also so, have moose. Oh, yeah, so yeah, he trimmed. He probably nibbled off because the, the almonds set their buds in the fall. So he probably went through and nibbled all the buds off because that was a little bit of a dessert. So this year, what should I do for them? Yeah, just treat them like you would fertilize them every three weeks from Mother's Day until July 15th to get them to rejuvenate. I have lots of them around my yard because I had 40 deer in my yard this went last winter. And so I got lots of plants that I'm trying to get to regrow again. I'm just being diligent with the fertilizer. Okay. And uh, But make sure you stop July 15th, okay? All right. It's important because otherwise you'll get more winter damage from them not shutting down in time. Okay. Okay? Okay, I thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Jim. Enjoy your show. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we are going to go for one last quick call before we take a break for news. This is Dolores in Fort Capel. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Hi. I planted some raspberries a couple of years ago, and now they want to take over my garden. If I use Roundup on the, the shoots that are coming up, will I kill the the parent plant too? You can, yes, especially if it's close by. Like it only translocates so far, you know. So yeah. if you get some of the outside ones, it might translocate one or two little plants in toward the other main patch, you know. Uh, I'm sorry, but what? You, if you if you might lose a few plants around the one that you sprayed, okay, because the roots okay. are all joined together, okay? okay. The best thing to do is you dig a little trench across where you want to where you want to stop, right? Your main right. patch. Okay. And once you dig that trench and you cut the roots, then you can spray everything beyond the trench. Okay. And then make sure when you got that trench in, while you have that trench in, put some landscape fabric, like some Pro 5, which is the heavy-duty landscape fabric. Put it vertically in your hole, you know, in your trench. Right. And then backfill it in so that now you keep a barrier from the raspberries from going back into the area again. Okay. How deep with the trench? 12 inches. 12 inches. Okay. Okay. Well, I think I'm going to give the raspberries away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll spread, but but you can, you can contain them. It's just a matter of remember you put a raspberry patch or anything like whether it be lily of the valley or or uh, uh, gutweed or raspberries any or horseradish anything that spreads like that. I know. Yeah, just put a barrier when, right when you put them in, and then you can contain them. Okay. Okay. It's too late now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Bye now. We are going to take a quick break for news, then we'll be back with more Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendijk from Dutch Growers. If you have a question, you can give us a call at 1-877-332-8255. It's been a busy morning so far, but we have a yeah. bit of a break. And I know there's been a couple things that you guys wanted to mention this yeah, morning. Yeah, I'm talking to uh, the garden center in, in Regina mm-hmm. with, with Tim and Karen out there and Carson, that the, the, the Regina area is going through a, their cycle. We've had it in Saskatoon uh, of the 10 caterpillars. Oh, yeah. And they're just on everything. They're on the cranberries. They're on the shrubs. They're on the trees. They're on everything. So one thing you need to do is there's really simple to take care of. Just the product called is B. TK, okay? Okay. 
Bob, natural product. Bob Tom Ken. BTK. Okay? Bob Tom Ken. Bob Tom Ken. And uh, so it's, 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 what happens, I like about it, is that it doesn't affect any other insect or any birds or any of that. It only goes after caterpillars. Okay. Period. It won't take care of aphids. It won't take care of anything else. And you spray it onto the leaves. And what happens is that the, the caterpillar digests the, the spray that's on the leaves. It's basically a bacteria. And then they get a tummy ache. And you spray it now or spray it later? Right away. Or, right, and you, 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 repeat every 10 days? No, you just need to spray it just on once. once. okay. Unless it rains a lot. Okay. Then you have to reapply, right? If you get a big storm regina again, you might have to reapply. Mm-hmm. Okay. But otherwise, what happens is that they ingest it, they get a tummy ache, and they quit eating, and they just fall down and die. And so it just works totally like uh, biological. And uh, so you don't have to go and spray malathion and all those other things. And so... A uh, great way to do it, or what you can do if, you, if the nest just popped up and it's just at, in the early morning or in the evening where they all come back to the nest, yeah. just put a pair of gardening gloves on and just go and squish. <laughs> Might feel weird, but effective. But effective. Just go and squish. I mean, you I've even find ta- a little 10 year old in your neighborhood. Oh, they'll love that. it. Or, <laughs> yeah. or, or just take a, a paint stick or a stick or something like that and just rub it up and back and forth, up and down and thing, and you, they, they squish really easy. I mean, so you can do it that way too to get rid of them, and that's totally organic way of killing them as well, right? And so, but some of them are, are you know, in a small bush that's easy to do, but in a tree up, they're not, they're up and really high. Uh, just spray the BTK, and it works really good. Um, uh, I mean, if you want an instant kill, you can also use things like the pyrethrin on them as well. But uh, like I said, the BTK works so well, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you can pick it up at your garden centers and uh and most of them will have it it's just a tiny little bottle okay and you so you just mix a little bit in some uh and it tells you the instructions of how much to put in per liter of water and you just go and spray or you can buy like a dial spray and you can spray it that way that's too. okay that's because they'll shoot those dollar sprays will shoot 20 feet up in the air. Oh, so, so good if you have a tree that's maybe yeah. a little extra. Effective. I think and that one of those dialysis sprays, if you have a yard with some trees in it, it's almost like a necessary tool yeah. for your toolkit because it works so good. They're so simple because when you put your, your product into the container straight, like, okay. you know, concentrated, it, let's say it tells you put six mils per liter of water. Mm-hmm. You set the dial to six and you and go and start spraying that. it. It sucks it up and automatically sprays it. Yeah, I so, like it. Another thing they've been having trouble in Regina, they were telling me as well, and we're having it right across the province, is ants. Yeah, I've noticed a ton and, in and my My neighborhood. neighborhood has been bad. Yeah. Bad. So ants everywhere. And with the, all this moisture, it actually is, is a perfect time to use a product called um, nematodes. Ant, ant Buster Nematode. Mm-hmm. And what it is, it's another insect, it's a biological that goes and attacks the nest of the ant. It doesn't hurt the, doesn't go after the adults of the ants, it goes after the eggs. Okay. And so the, what happens, but the soil has to be moist, so you, what do you do is water, or you wait right after rain, because cause don't forget the nest is down probably tw- at least 12 inches mm-hmm. down. Okay, that's where the queen where the queen is. So you need to get down there, so you need to, first of all, you need to probe the soil and get moisture down deep, because the nematodes need to go through moist soil, and of course what ants like is dry soil. Right, so a lot of times because of their colony, the soil is really dry where a nest is. Mm-hmm. So you need to soak that area first, put the nematodes on, water it again. Now the nematodes will swim their way down to the basically down to the the nest. Okay, and they they penetrate an egg, and then they eat the ins- egg from the inside out. And they actually reproduce, and then they produce more of these little microscopic little worms. And just kind of make and their way through. they make their way through, and then all of a sudden the queen says, okay, there's something going on. She takes off to a different spot because she says, I don't like this spot because yeah. my colony's getting smaller. But what happens, the workers bring some eggs with them, 
and then they just transport that, and then eventually the colony just totally wipes out because there's no new workers. Hmm. But the key to success with that is moisture. moisture. If they, the nematodes do not have moisture, they will not survive, okay. and their life cycle is fairly short. So if we are not keeping the, that area moist or the ants take them to a dry area, they're not going to survive in that area. And okay. also, don't forget in your lawns, just make sure if you have a sparse lawn, you're going to have lots of ants, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Ants don't like a thick lawn, so make sure that you keep your 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 lawn healthy, fertilizing, watering. If you have to top dress a little bit, if you got some weak areas of your lawn and reseed, get it thicker. The ants will move out of those areas. They and, don't and like keep being your, there. Keep your grass a little bit longer. Don't cut it as yeah, short. Too. In, the, in the summertime, especially with the drought, you should be keeping it about two and a quarter inches long at okay. least. Uh, don't don't keep it one inch because that just attracts the ants. They won't like it if it's well cared for and healthy. Exactly. Perfect. Uh, we have a couple calls just coming in now. We'll go to Connie in Saskatoon. Good morning, Connie. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Good morning. Um, I have some flower beds that I've developed uh, with shrubs and um, wanting to keep the moisture down. I'm looking at um, some product that you can buy, bark and such from bays. Um, or what's your thoughts on going to the landfill to get... Uh, wood, uh, chips, wood chips have been put through the chipper, like the trees and such. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, actually mulching your, it's your shrub beds, right, you were saying? Correct. Yeah, the shrub beds, the mulching the shrub beds, the, the plants love that. She's okay? wondering the difference between buying a bag mulch in the store or going to the landfill and getting the other mulch. It wouldn't really matter. Um, the, 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 the only thing is with the mulch at the landfill, you're getting all different types of mulches all mixed together. Okay. The stuff you're buying in the bag, if you want to buy a cedar mulch, it's all cedar mulch, right? Uh, so that's the only difference. But the stuff at the landfill, uh, is, and nine times out of ten, it'll be fine. Um, uh, there's sometimes, very rarely, you'll get some diseased trees that were chipped up with the tr- with the plant there. But that usually by that time it's composted. That's kind of yeah. been dissipated you know quite a bit so uh, so it's usually not a problem usually the compost I, I was finding even when we were at sutherland school doing that tree planting yep. they had the the wood trips that were freshly chopped up the difference is is the you'll have a more consistent blend with a bag um wood chip and it's not going to have any sticks or twigs or anything like that whereas you go to the landfill you're going to have a little bit more of an inconsistent blend you might have some some leaves and some chips so and it all that kind it of doesn't stuff look quite there. as manicured Okay, it doesn't look quite as clean, but it works just as effectively. Mm-hmm. Okay, now there, there's like like there's pieces of wood, like yeah, yes, correct, Jill. And then there's some product that's like more decomposed in that same yep. department. Which is the better of the two to pick? Uh, both of them, a mixture, right? a mixture, because the decomposed one actually gives food for the plant. So all the roots yeah. will grow into that, and it's because all those bacteria are in that compost. It's actually feeding the roots, so it's perfect. And and the yeah. and the big pieces of wood actually make the comp- compost your your cover last longer and puts all air pockets into that soil as well, right? So yeah. a mixture yeah. of both is actually perfect. Yeah, and remember that you're topping this up a little bit every year too. It's not like you pl- apply it once and then you're done. With mulch, you're always having to to replenish it and top it up because it is decomposing underneath. Yeah, might be every yeah. three or four years or whatever, mm-hmm. but you know you're going to be doing that. Yes. So and no so and no fabric underneath. Okay, just right on sure, the ground. Yeah. And so with bugs like that, that was my concern. When you're bringing like usually you get diseased wood trees and such, but 
We just got to roll with it, right, to see what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. In most cases, you're not going to get most of the the tree trimmer guys that are that are trimming it. I mean, mm-hmm. they don't. You don't know from the, the the public that are bringing it there. But the tree trimming guys, if they got a diseased trees, they're taking it to the landfill. They're being responsible and taking it to the landfill and burying it. You know. But uh, but I mean I mean obviously everybody's just bringing whatever to the to the compost yeah. pile. So there is a risk. But I mean, most times when that compost, if you get the older compost, it's usually not that that risk is not that bad anymore. Exactly. And okay. if we do decide to go with a tree route, it's just the, the natural cedar mulch. Is that what we pick? Well, the cedar mulch I like because most of our so I don't know where where are you calling from? From Saskatoon. Saskatoon. Our soils are are higher in pH here. So the, 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 the cedar mulch will lower the pH of your soil, which is better. Even our water is high pH. And also cedar mulch has a natural preservative in it so that it lasts longer. Oh, so the cedar, uh, okay, a lower pH. I appreciate yep. you taking the call. Okay. Thanks, Connie. Thank you. Bye-bye. We are going to take a quick break, and then we'll get back to more of your calls right here on Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. If you have a question or need some tips, you can give us a call at 1-877-332-8255. We have a couple calls waiting for us on the line. Uh, we'll start off in Saskatoon with, uh, I believe it's Maureen. Good morning. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Hi. Good morning, guys. Um I have a question. We have a very well-established Cotoneaster hedge in our front yard. It borders with our neighbor, and we've um, been taking care of it for many years. We cut it down once, and it grew back nicely. So the problem I'm having is I um, I have um, three very beautiful established roses, climbing roses, in front of the hedge, and we had a... a a really high trellis built. Um, my husband built it. He's a carpenter, so he built a beautiful trellis. And they would climb some years right up to the top. But now what's going on is I see that, and that's probably been happening for a few years, the hedge behind the roses, behind two of the roses, is suffering. It's got leafed out, of course, on the top, which then is deceiving because it looks good. But the bottom is all, you know, whole, uh, it looks like dead wood, but it isn't dead wood or it wouldn't be leafing out on top. So what I'm doing is I'm removing the trellis. I'm taking out two of the roses. I can leave one of the roses because it's far enough away from the hedge. But we're taking down the trellis and trying to save our hedge. Yeah, it'll it'll grow back in because obviously the trellis was shading that yeah. that part of the hedge, right? So then, yeah, and especially as the roses grew, then you got thicker roses yeah. and not enough yeah. sunlight. Not enough sunlight. Trees. So so what'll happen is that once once you it'll take a few years, but you watch it'll it'll start filling back in again. Okay, and is there any particular kind of fertilizer I could use to help it along? Yeah, just use thirty ten ten because that'll give them lots of growth, yeah. and so each plant. Because uh, they're old, old plants, right? You yeah. probably put two gallons of water on each plant, and okay. then do that every three weeks until July fifteenth, and then stop. Every three weeks till July. 15th. Yeah, and you can start at Mother's Day, okay, next year. 
Okay. Yes, it's exactly the same as the hydrangeas. Exactly, and you'll get you get lots of growth in hydrangeas, lots of flowers, and you watch your cantonia aster will take right off. Well, I, I I give up on hydrangeas. I have one left, and it, it came back this year just fine. But over the years, I've been I've been I used to have three beautiful hydrangeas, and then I think what happened is our neighbors cut down their maple tree. Okay. Yep. And they liked that shade oh, from the maple no, tree. I now it's too think sunny. That that's what we finally figured out what was going on. Yep. So I give up. Yep. I, I, I actually just put a um, snowball bush in there. <laughs> yep, perfect. Another and, and, and beautiful this, tree. And they, mm-hmm. they love the sun, so that's perfect. And they look a little bit like the hydrangea. Just smaller flowers, but yeah, actually very similar. For those other listeners, that's a snowball viburnum, right? Yeah. 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 Yes, yes. So anyway, yeah, anyway, thank you so much. I I thought that this was the answer I was going to get from you guys, and yes, it it is. So I'll I'll carry on. Yeah, you'll be good to go. I'll just find a home for those two beautiful climbing roses. Okay, put put get, an arbor get, or something like that. Or, or, or only thing is, you're not going to want to move those roses right now because they won't make it. Okay. Oh really? Yeah, because it's going to be like 30 degrees out pretty quick here, right? Oh yeah. Okay. So, so you, but I can still do it later on on with when we get some cooler weather, right? And you're going to be waiting until basically September. Oh really? Unless well, you want I'll, unless you want to lose them, because it has to be done when they're dormant. Well, I'm not sure if I care. Okay. Yeah, take, <laughs> Fair take, enough. Take a good ball of earth with it. Okay. Cut yep. the roses down to about yep. you know uh, I would say basically three or three feet off the ground type of thing. Oh, I've okay. had to cut them right down this year. Everything was okay. dead from okay. the, the ground up. Okay. So take a um, take I've a good. I've only got a couple. I have to step outside because my dog is barking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just just remember, take a good ball of earth with it. And yeah. then, then, then when you put it in, uh, put some, puts, if there's some leaves on it, just put some shade over top of it somehow. You stick an umbrella or, you know, whatever, you know, stick a, you know, something in front of it to keep the hot sun off of it. Right. And then you have better success. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Okay. okay. Well, thank you. Good, good luck. Uh, thanks. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye now. Uh, we'll go to Katie in Saskatoon before we head to our break. Good morning, Katie. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Hi, we have a fairly tall lilac bush that other years we've had a lot of lilac uh, flowers on it. This year there seems to be not as many, but the seed pods, there's so many seed pods on there. Do you have to cut the seed pods off? Like this is a fairly tall tree. Yep, we cut as many as seed pods. What you do is you every year after the lilacs finish blooming, right? Okay. Give Give it a light trimming. And that basically cuts all those seed pods off. Then, okay. then what happens, because they're blooming right now, right, the lilacs? Yeah. And so what happens right. is that when, once they finish blooming, which is in about another week or so, then what you do is you give them a shot of fertilizer after you trim them, and then they push on some growth, and then they have twice as many flowers next year. Okay, because it's quite tall, so I'm not sure if we'll be able to reach even the top of it. Yeah, and what you can do, too, if you don't want it that tall, is okay. that you wait till it's dormant, okay, and then okay. you cut the tree back in half if you want. Okay. okay, and then but the next year you won't get flowers, but then you've now reduced the size of it. Oh, okay. Right. If you okay. if you want, if you don't mind it being tall, then just trim off as many of those old flower heads as you can after they finish blooming. 
Okay, so that's that's the trick. Is the flower heads have to come off in order for new flowers to grow? To have more new flowers. Yeah, it's not necessarily. Okay. You still will get flowers, but you'll get okay. way more flowers if you cut those off, and then, and then because the tree is trying to reproduce itself, right? So okay. as soon as you cut all those off, it's going to yeah. want to reproduce itself some more. Right. Okay. And that won't look so ugly either. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Good. Okay. Thank you so much for your help. You're welcome. Thanks, Don. Okay. Have a good day. Bye bye. You too. We're going to take a quick break for news and we'll take more of your questions on Garden Talk. We have Don waiting for us on the line. So we'll uh, join Don right after the news break on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. We're back with more Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. We have had Dawn patiently waiting through the break here, so we'll jump right to the phones. Dawn in Saskatoon. Good morning. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Good morning, Rick and Jill. Um, bought some new shrubs, uh, red currant and black currant. Um, they were, looked really good when we put them in. And the leaves on the bottom of the trees are turning yellow now? Yep, that, that's a moisture issue. Now, what happens with them is you need to probe the soil because what happens with new plantings is that you take them out of the pot and you notice all the roots are nice and tight together, you know, sometimes growing around in a circle around the outside edge of the pot. And you stick it into the ground, right? Yeah. And then you water the soil around the plant to get it watered in really well. And so the topsoil is nice and moist. But now you have the leaves on top of the plant, and with the sun, the, just like a, in the garden center, we're watering those plants all the time because, you know, the leaves are out and the sun's shining and sucking all the moisture out of the root ball, okay? That's still happening, but now the roots aren't out into the soil around it, so it can't grab it yet. So it's actually drying the root ball out, okay? And then, and then so you're thinking, oh, well, the soil's wet. Why is it, you know, why is that a problem? And so you need to you need to basically stick your finger into the root ball, or even just not wet the soil around it, but just put the hose right in the middle of the that root ball where the pot is, yeah. and give it just a little bit of water as if you're watering that pot. Okay. So and, where normally we tell you to water around the drip line of the tree, you might yeah. want to water closer to the center of on, the plant. On a new on a new planting only, right? Oh, and then even also, though we've been watering steady, it's okay. not getting enough. Is what you're now, I'm going to tell you the other story, part, half of the story, okay? Could, okay? So that could be that it's not getting enough because you're not watering you know, enough and it's hot out. The other, yeah. other thing is, is that you get the same symptoms if the bottom of the hole, you, you dig, sometimes you dig into heavy clay. Now, you're from Saskatoon, right? Yeah. A lot of part of Saskatoon, is, except for maybe Stonebridge, is heavy clay. Yeah. Stone bridge of sand, right? So what happens is you dig a hole and then you water it, right? And then you see the leaves, then uh, there might be moisture, and you fill up the, that 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 oh, I call a pan you just dug into the or a bowl you dug into that clay. Now you fill up the you water really heavy, and now you the bottom of the root ball might be sitting in water, and then the leaves start turning color, and then you give it more water. Then now your bottom of the hole is filling up and you don't even know it. And you start getting root rot. And you start getting root rot. And oh. you'll get the same symptoms as it drying out as it is too wet. So what well, I'm how saying... How do I know if it's root rot or too dry? Take a piece of rebar, 3 8 rebar, or some kind of a probe. I like using rebar because it has ribs on the outside edge. So when I stick it down to the bottom of the planting hole and bring it up, I bring a sample of the soil with me. If it's really wet, I'll know I'll have to aerate, right? Put Poke more holes. If it's really dry, and now I can stick it into the soil down to the bottom and pull it up, but I also can stick it right into that root ball. And now I can check both places. 
right? Okay. And so don't. I always tell people, don't water by the look on the top of the ground, because I can walk into your yard and I can, wouldn't tell. I'll have hanging in my hand a piece of rebar to be able to check the soil to tell you what's going on, because I can't tell by walking into the yard. Okay. okay. Where and, do you and, handily get rebar from? Oh, you can pick it up at any the any of the home stores, right? The okay. hardware stores, like the Home Depots, uh, Rona's, all that kind of stuff. They'll have just short pieces of rebar. People use it for concrete, right, to reinforce concrete. Okay. And you just need a piece of three eighths rebar because it's small enough that it pokes into the ground, has ribs on the outside, so it brings the sample up. It's a simple little cheap little tool that you can use yeah. to check your soil. It doesn't cost very much to yeah. buy. And the caterpillars are getting them. I heard you said just use it, the DDK. BTK, yeah. BTK works really good, um, it, and it's, it's not harmful to any birds or anything, any other uh, insects in the yard. So do these new shrubs, do they need to be fertilized or not? Absolutely. Uh, give what, them a, with what? Give them a 30-10-10, a 20-20-20, but it, since it's a new planting, go half strength. So 30-10-10. Okay. Or 20-20-20, whatever you might have at home for fertilizer, right? Yeah. And just go half strength. Half strength. Yep, because it's a brand new planting, right? Yeah. And that'd be fine. Okay. Do that every three weeks until until July 15. And and then, okay, and we also got a, a cranberry tree, same kind of fertilizing treatment for Ex- that? It, all the same. Okay. Sounds okay. good. Good. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Rick. Yep. Okay. Bye-bye. Uh, now we go to Doreen in Willow Bunch. Good morning. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Okay. I uh, planted some cherry tomatoes in self-watering pots. I did this last year. They grew to about five feet high, and they produced. I've got them in our screen room, and they produced, but they grew so high I had to tie them to the Yep. It's roof of the uh, of the uh, screen room. This year, I've planted them again, and they're already about two and a half feet high. It's like they're on steroids. <laughs> well, there's a few things that you can do. Like, are you are you wanting them not to grow as high, or what are what are you looking at? Well, I I want them to produce mm-hmm. as much as possible. They did produce quite well last year, but the little tomatoes were not quite as big as they should have been. Yeah. So I'm thinking that it all went in the height and not into the tomatoes. Okay, so what you can do is you, you've you purchased an indeterminate variety of tomatoes, and there's two types. There's a determinate variety and an indeterminate variety. Oh, I'm not sure. So you have an indeterminate variety because it's growing nice it's, and it, tall. It's a vine type. It's a vine type, but oh. it also requires pruning and pinching. So if you want to even just Google that, pruning and pinching my indeterminate tomato online, it will show you which branches to, and you want to, pinch out the suckers on the side of the plant and that's going to help focus some more energy into your plant so you're not getting all these random shoots everywhere it's going to focus the energy so you're getting more of a, a sturdier healthier um, plant that can that can produce these and nice more fruit. air more airflow more through airflow. everything yeah you're still going to have a really tall plant because you have an indeterminate variety but my okay. suggestion next year if you want a smaller plant choose a determinate variety okay and then you're going to have a shorter plant which might be a lot better for you on your patio okay yeah i did not i did not realize that that's probably what i ended up buying i might move them out of that screen room then and put them where they get more where they get more airflow yeah Yeah, but it's growing that way because that's the variety it's nothing that you're doing wrong it's that's the variety of the plant but there is pinching and pruning that you need to do with now if you're going to move it out from your covered screen to outside in the full sun 
do that slowly, okay? Just don't yeah. go on a hot day straight out there, okay? Because yeah. you'll get sunburn on all your the leaves. leaves will turn white. The leaves they're will turn on, white. They're on the north. They're on the north side of the house. So I can just tuck them close to the house, and and they won't get the sun till really late yeah. afternoon. And then d- just slowly introduce them more into the sun, because the more sun they get, the more the bigger the tomatoes will be too. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 Sounds good. Thank you very much. Yep. Thank Take you. care. Okay. Bye. Uh, We'll get to one quick text here before we go to break. Um, This is coming from Bobby in Emerald Park. I had several towering poplars. They're 25 years old, but one leafed out late. The leaves are yellow. Uh, Is it going to make it another few years, or is there anything we can do to extend its life? Yeah, they're chlorotic, okay, which means that they're lacking iron, which means lacking iron, which means that there's another issue, is means that the pH is probably too high in the soil and it's locking up the nutrients, the plant can't get it. Okay. The plants that really show that, first of all, is things like the tower poplars, the poplars, the uh, the willows, and some of the maples will show that chloroticness. And so you'll be a light green and you'll see the veins really, you know, def- defined. And so you can add some uh, some iron to the soil, but also add some aluminum sulfate to the soil to lower the pH to to about a pH of seven, and then that'll neutral you know make the soil more neutral so the plant can take up nutrients better. So also watch your watering because a lot of times it'll turn chlorotic if you're a little more wet, which means if it's soil's wetter in a lot of areas around Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. that means the pH will be higher. Okay. Okay. So you need to lower the pH, aluminum sulfate. If you want to get green right away. Add an iron supplement to the to your fertilizer as well. All right. And there's a lot of fertilizers that have an iron in it. Okay. They don't have the aluminum sulfate or sulfur. You have to add that uh, separately. Okay. All right. Sounds like a plan. Uh, we have Elaine waiting for us when we come back from our quick break. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning. We're back with more Garden Talk here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. If you have a question or need some tips, you can give us a call at one 332 8255 We start off with Elaine in Spring Valley. Good morning. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Oh, hi, folks. Good show as usual. Uh, Rick, the good news on my on my rose cherry tree, yep. it's looking wonderful. Perfect. And now we've had about three inches of rain in the last week, so <laughs> it's really doing well, but still not blooming. I think it's a, it's uh, a bachelor. You might miss this bleach. You might not have. If it hasn't bloomed yet, you probably won't get them this year. But it's, it's doing well. But anyway, I wondered, I, I transplanted uh, some uh, tomatoes uh, this week and and some chives, and the, the uh, roots were really quite coiled within the little pot that they came in. Yep. So I took a scissors and I trimmed those, those coiled uh, roots off. Yep. Did I do the right thing? Yep, that's fine. I mean, it's, you, you, sometimes you can just take your fingers and kind of tickle them loose, you know. Oh, but they were too tight. I but they're too that. tight. Yeah, sometimes I even just take an exacto knife and just run some, you know, lines down them, you right. know. Yeah. Uh, that works as well. But you, you got to remember, if you do it too much, you're cutting all the roots off, right? Yeah, no, so, I didn't. Though. I just did the, yeah. like, the, the yeah. outer ones. It's, it's, it's fine. Totally fine. Great. Okay. Thank you so much. You're, Keep up the good work. You you're guys. welcome. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, we have Lori on the line in Blackfoot. Good morning. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Good morning. Um, just wondering if you guys have any ideas about uh, stopping cutworms. I seem to have a lot this year, and I've never had a problem with them before. They've yep. already taken down about four of my tomatoes, a couple of peas, and beans. 
Yep, there's there's a couple old tricks. The old trick your everybody's grandma's taught them is put the coffee can around the plant, right? <laughs> yeah, and actually, I put uh, like a three gallon um, pail that's got the bottom cut off yep. around my tomato plants, yep. and they took down those ones too. Oh, they got in, they probably got inside before, or, you know, were inside there. The eggs and masses were inside there before you even put the it down there. The other thing oh. you can use is you know, we used to use things like Daz and on, but they're all off the market now. Okay, yeah, we used to take care of them. So now you can use a product called a, um, Grub Out Nematode. Okay, just like okay. I talk, and earlier in the show, I talked about gr- ant out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now this is called grub out. And grub out is a nematode again, is where you put it in for your sod webworms, for your cutworms, any of the kind of those grubs in the soil. It's a okay. nematode. They, they basically seek and destroy. So you have to water, your, make the soil moist. But the one thing nice about the grubs is they're not quite as deep as the ants are. So you don't have right. to water quite as deep, right, with the grubs. And then you spray this onto your soil, and then you water it in again afterwards, and then they go and seek and destroy the grubs, and they eat them from the inside out. Okay. Okay. All right. And it works really well. And, um, um, yeah, the, you, you can use a product called BTK if you spray the base of your plants. But the problem okay. is with the cutworms, usually they've, by the t- before they get a tummy ache and die, they've cut your mm-hmm. plants off. <laughs> right. Okay. So uh, that's why you're, you're better off to to get rid of the bugs completely and by using the nematode, and it works. It works really well. They also don't like the tilled soil as much as well too. So if you till your soil up in the early spring, that sometimes will help as yeah. well. Yeah, and that was the only thing my husband and I were talking about what we had done different, and we didn't till in the fall. We usually till in the fall and the spring, and last year we decided, well, we're going to try a little bit of no-till. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I won't do that again. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and actually, even if you till, even if sometimes what's even better, what I find, is that you dig with, if you, depending on the size of your garden, obviously, is that if you dig with your till with a, with a shovel and just leave it lumpy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then okay. it's a little bit bigger, bigger area. It's hard to do, but I, I, in in my in on the acreage, I used to take my cultivators through it then, right? Oh, rather, yeah. rather than rotor till it, because then it used to leave it open, leave lumps, and everything else. And by spring comes, all the the frost just loosened up all those lumps, anyways. So it worked really oh. well. But then it got air down and frost down in to get all those kind of grubs uh, into the that were that were living in the soil. Okay, yeah, we do live on an acreage, and yep. it's a fifty garden. So, 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 yeah. so cultivate rather than rotor till in the fall. Okay, okay, all right. Well, thank you so much. Yep. Thanks, Lori. Have a great morning. Yep. You too. Uh, we have a couple of texts that we can get to here before our next break. This one is coming from Marlene in Saskatoon. It says, some of my Patriot hostas are curling up along the leaf's edge. For the first time, I fertilized with 20-20-20, and they grew really quickly, taller than usual. What should I do with them now that they... Now that they're getting healthy, uh, you just want to, if they're getting healthy now, you just want to do the same thing. You want to keep fertilizing them and really watch your watering. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is inconsistent watering with your hostas is when you'll start getting that little bit of leaf, leaf curl, especially when it's starting to open up and grow. So watch your watering, keep it consistent, fertilize about every two to three weeks and you should be successful. And sometimes there's a little virus that comes into the hostas as well. It doesn't really affect the hostas other than the what you see on you see a distorted like curled up leaves on the edge um basically it makes it just look differently it doesn't really won't really kill the hosta that i've seen it hasn't killed it but just some people just don't like that curled up puckered type of looking leaf 
I don't see that as much on the Patriot hostas, but definitely if you're noticing something and it's continuing to spread through your hostas, take a picture and send it into your garden center. We can help you out with that. Perfect. Uh, this one is coming from Alberta. Um, I have a lot of cutworms this year. We were just talking about that. Um, any suggestions in an already planted garden? Yep. So just use the, the grub out nematode. Works really good. And uh, it comes in a little ball. And then you have to use a special sprayer. That's one thing about it is you, either that or in a watering can you can do it too. But otherwise you put it in a special sprayer because you can't use a regular Dallas spray with them because the nozzles are too small and the nematodes plug up the nozzles. Okay. So there's a nematode sprayer that you use to spray it out and it works really good. And just have to follow in his instructions and uh, it, it does work really well. Like we get people coming in and, and when they get them, they said, yeah, it worked awesome. So, or again, a collar on the plant or using toilet paper rolls and aluminum foil works around the collar of the plant. Too. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. A good at-home remedy. remedy. <laughs> uh, we have Rob in Rostern. I have two globe cedars that are massive at 10 feet in diameter. How do I prune them back and when is the best time to do that? And is it possible to achieve a target of half their current size? No. Yeah, you can. Sorry. <laughs> it's called a truck and a chain. Okay. And plant another one that grows the proper size. Okay. So they have a woodwardy globe cedar, most likely, and it's grown big. And so you cut it down in half, it's not going to come back. Okay. It'll look terrible for like a lot of years. Mm-hmm. I've trimmed one where it got damaged. Okay. But it took me about five or six years to get it looking even half decent. So the best thing to do is that if you got a big woodwardy cedar, is that pull it out and then get yourself a, a little giant cedar, which only grows four feet round. Okay. Right, and then you got the right plant for the right location. I think that's a big tip that that we need to mention here on the air, especially with cedars, because we'll go around, maybe even see them at a box store, and mm-hmm. uh, you you see it nice in a big pot, and you're like, I want something instant for this area, but you don't actually look, look at, at the, the tag. The tag. Yeah. You need to look at the zone. What zone is this plant hardy for? And the next thing you look, how big does this plant get? And make sure you have, like Rick said, yeah. the right plant for the right space, because a lot of those they look nice and big right now, but there yeah. might be like. 80 like, feet tall and just 20 feet wide and, <laughs> and they're covering your whole sidewalk yeah. or running into your eaves trough. Like right now I see a whole bunch of emerald cedars around at the stores, mm-hmm. you know? And then of course, if you drive around town right now, which cedars are the most brown? The emerald cedars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the right place for the right plant for the right place. So, but the biggest thing is size. Always do some research. Just don't, this plant looks really cute at the store, mm-hmm. garden center or shopping store or whatever. Yeah. Just make sure you're planting the right plant for the right place because if you put it in front of your window and it grows six to eight feet tall, you're going to cover up your window and then it's going to look really ugly on the window side because there's no light there. Yeah. And so you're looking out the window of this bare plant. It looks beautiful from the street, <laughs> but you can't even see the street from the inside of the house, right? Yeah. So right plate, right plant for the right place. All right, perfect. Uh, and then a quick one before uh, we go to break. Uh, this one is coming from Eagle Lake. Our lilacs have leaves, but few flowers. What kind of fertilizer should I be using? Okay, so use a, a, a phosphorus, a higher phosphorus, so like a 15, 30, 15. Okay. That's what I suggest. And also, one thing that's very important, remember, about lilacs, it didn't bloom much this year. We're right in lilac blooming season right now. So if it didn't bloom this year, look at all the other lilacs around your neighborhood. When they finish blooming, you prune your lilac okay. then. Just a light pruning. Give it a light pruning, fertilize it then. After the, after they finish, your other lilacs have finished blooming, Give yours a pruning as well. Fertilize it. Get new growth on. You're going to get blooms next year on that plant. Okay. okay? So you're going to you're going to try to fake it out. Basically, you're trying to do. It. You're going <laughs> to think you had flowers, and you're going to give it a trimming after 
it didn't have flowers, but you're going to give a trimming as if it did have flowers. And then next year you'll get more. Perfect. Uh, we are going to take a quick break for news. Then we'll be back with more Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. We're back with more Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. If you have a question or need some tips for your yard or garden, you can give us a call at 1-877-332-8255. We've had a couple people patiently waiting through the break for us, so we'll go right to the phone lines, starting off with Carol in Saskatoon. Good morning. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Uh, good morning. I have two Japanese tree lilacs, and they're looking really sad this year. I'm not sure what's going, what's happening with them. Yeah, it's just a lot of different trees. For some reason, this winter is just a weird winter. But the early snow we had, you know, the plants didn't shut down in time, and then the the uh, the late snow we had this spring, the reflection off the snow with the with the uh, with the sun up high in the sky. Uh, caused a lot of problems for a lot of plants, mm-hmm. and just just the fluctuations in weather, and so. Uh, but what, don't be, don't worry, it'll it'll pop back. Just make sure that you watch your soil. Lilacs don't like to be too wet, okay? okay. They like to be moist, but not too wet. So probe the soil, okay? Yeah. And just because it's looking bad doesn't mean you want to just pour the water to it, okay? Right. Yeah. That's that's important. You want to keep them moist, but not wet at all. And then also uh, put some fertilizer on it, and then just get some of that growth happening again. On it, you know, like a 30-10-10 or 20-20-20, whatever you might have. Mm-hmm. Give them a shot of fertilizer. How big is the lilac right now? Uh, it's up at least 8 to 10 feet. 8 to 10 feet? Yeah. So you're going to pour about 3 to 4 gallons of water mixed with your fertilizer around okay. the plant. Do that now. Do it every three weeks until July the 15th and then stop. Okay, so I think my husband put uh, spikes Okay, the spikes, yeah, that's fine. But if one thing, spikes are good for maintaining a tree. Okay. But if your tree's looking like it needs to revive itself, yeah, right. the, the water soluble fertilizer is actually will, will get results quicker. Okay. Okay, this, perfect. The spikes are more for maintaining rather than reviving. Okay. But don't do both. Okay. okay. If you're gonna, if you want to do both now, now you got to take your 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 fertilizer, your liquid fertilizer right now, and you're gonna cut the rate in half. Okay. Okay, and you can still give it some more just to okay. get it going. Okay. Perfect. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye now. Uh, we have Ian in Saskatoon. Good morning, Ian. What's your question? Hi, good morning. I uh, managed to get my raised garden beds built and filled them up with triple mix about uh, 20 minutes before the rain came down. Perfect. So now that we have all this water, I have tomatoes and peppers to plant. Yep. Um, should I... I was going to plant today, but, uh, you know, just in the month. Is it better to let soil uh, dry out for a year or two? No, you can probably plant right now. It's actually really good to plant in uh, in the wet soil because if you plant a plant and then it's dry soil around, it, that soil is going to suck all the moisture out of the plant. So you, it's a good timing right now to plant in that area, as long as you can get into the into the soil and you have raised beds, you should be able just, to reach. Just the a little corners. dirt underneath their fingernails, and that doesn't hurt anybody, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've got about um, maybe thirteen or fourteen inches of about a, a yard of topsoil. Good. Yeah. Um, I was planning on uh, you know watering it, turning it to make sure that it was wet, but. Um, I've never used a raised garden bed before, so do you have to? <clears throat> sorry, do you have to um, wet the soil 
like almost down to the ground before, at the start? No, you you can you can like you said you just had a rain, so most of the soil is going to be wet already, anyways, right? <laughs> I think the biggest thing is your transplants are usually in like a cell pack or even a four inch pot. You just want to make sure that it's got moisture down to that size of that transplant right now and then water consistently about an inch or two so that you're sticking your finger in the soil about an inch or two down. It feels dry to the touch. It's time to water it again. I think the biggest thing you got to remember if you're just transplanting now is that if if we're talking about like I'm looking outside here in Saskatoon right now and it's a blue sky. So if it's going to be 30 degrees and you're going to go straight outside, if you were if you had them inside sort of protected, it just make sure that you're not acclimatizing the plant. You're going right out into the hot sun. You just put something over top, even a lawn chair over top of them, whatever, anything to shade them a bit, just to get them past that first day of the of the transplant. Okay, even and don't plant right in the middle of the day. Go out there in the evening, okay, and plant them rather than in the hot part of the day. So that their roots don't yeah. get exposed to the heat. Yep. I, I've had the plants. They're in four-inch pots. They are pretty tall. Like, like they're not leggy, but, the, you know, they're good 18 inches tall already, and they have some, some flowers setting. That's maybe one last question for you. Um, I've read different things So on, well, when you plant a, a tomato plant or a pepper plant, if they have flowers, you should remove them. I wouldn't necessarily with those those larger um, four-inch tomato plants. I mean, sorry, the, the larger four-inch pepper plants, and I wouldn't do that with the tomatoes either. I'd plant them as is. But with the tomato plant, you can take off some of those bottom leaves and do what I call trenching your plant, especially if it's taller. And you're going to get little roots or little, you'll see at the bottom of the stem, there's bumps almost on the stem. And those are all little roots that can form. And that's going to help your plant be stronger and healthier as well, too. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Ian. We can do a little bit of a rapid fire here on the text line before we get to our next break. Uh, this one is coming from Lorna. I bought a Chinook Sunrise Rose. Is it okay to plant now or should I hold off until September? Nope, plant it now. Absolutely get it rooted in. Uh, with the Chinook Rose, you can also go on it want to mulch it for the first winter for sure. Okay. And also mulch if you ever get a, uh, we get a brown Christmas or something like that. So mm-hmm. there's no snow by November throw some leaves or something like that around to protect it, okay? I think earlier we were talking about moving an existing rose, not to do that now, but moving one that's in a pot or or planting one that's in a pot, it's completely fine. Quicker you move it, plant it, the quicker it's going to get rooted and be ready for the wintertime. Perfect. Uh, We have another lilac question uh, this morning. Uh, This one says, I have a Japanese lilac tree in the front yard. When is a good time to trim it back? Uh, I do so like light trimming after it finishes blooming. Now the lilac, the Japanese lilac trees bloom later than the shrub lilacs. Okay. okay? So by about a week or two later. And so, uh, what you want to do then is just trim it back. It's the light trimming as soon as it finishes blooming by even cutting off all those old bloom heads. And then next year you'll get a whole, and then you'll get a whole bunch more blooms next year. If you need to do an aggressive um, trim, you want to do that maybe when it's dormant or you can do it now, but you're not going to get blooms the next season. Okay. Uh, this one is a hydrangea question from Julie in Battleford. Uh, mine is almost five feet tall and four feet wide and thriving. Have it on a drip for the summer and bury it in snow for the winter. I prune all flowers off in the fall and winter die back, not covered in snow. In spring, uh, plant is almost 10 years old. So sounds like uh, she's doing well with it. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> not quite a question, more of just a yep. fun fact. Awesome. I like it. Uh, that's, I that's, love success stories. Exactly. Yes. Um, this one is coming from Janet, uh, from McCord. Lovely hot morning, uh, in deep South Saskatchewan. Looks like it. I think they're still under heat warnings down there. Uh, when you have to put a perennial in a mixed pot and you want it 
you want to try to overwinter to come up as a perennial in your yard, when and how do you pull the perennial out of the pot to replant in the soil? Okay, so there's a few things when you're putting perennials in pots. So a lot of times I'll have a few issues with that. Um, some of your perennials will go dormant in the summer because the soil temperature gets so hot. Oh, okay. So if you're noticing a perennial is not doing so good later in the season, that might be what it is. So your plant might not be dead, but it's just gone dormant. Okay. Okay. So that's one thing. Now, if you're wanting to take that perennial out, sometimes you'll pull the roots of the annuals out and disturb the root mm-hmm. system. That's not the best way to do it. Try and lift the whole annual container with okay. the perennials out and then plant it as a whole, the annuals are going to die back, mm-hmm. um, but then you're not disturbing that root system and then just mulch it well. Just, if you just cut the annuals off if you want to, or just yeah. one thing nice about leaving those old annuals there is they'll that, catch more they'll snow. They'll catch more snow yeah. and actually act like a mulch. And then you can cut everything back in the spring. I would leave my plant material up in that case in the okay. fall and then cut everything back in the spring, mulch well, maybe even about a foot over top of the plant. Perfect. And that takes us to our next break. If you have a question for Rick or Jill, you can give us a call at 1-877-332-8255. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. We have lawn waiting for us on the line from Saskatoon. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Hi. Um, how's it going? Very good. How are you? Good. Um, I've actually talked to Rick about this way in the back a while ago, but I have, I planted about four like calmer birch trees in a corner in my yard, um, about eight years ago. And three of them are huge. And a couple years ago, we lost one. Um, and then we replanted and we lost it again. And, Rick kind of thought that it was because just in that one corner, maybe that one tree was getting too much water. So I was kind of just wondering what you would recommend for a tree there, because it's kind of a weird looking hole, like if there's a tree that likes lots of water. Yeah, there's some trees that like lots of water, but they get quite a bit bigger than your upright birch tree does. Okay. Okay. Like you can plant an alder, like a prairie horizon alder loves the moisture, lives in the bog areas, like on the edge of the bog, not in the bog, but at the edge of the bog. But sometimes all you need to do if you have the room is build a little bit of a pitcher's mound in that corner. So you raise the soil up just a couple, three inches, right? Enough so the water doesn't sit around there and it has to be wider, the pitcher's mound has to be wider than the planting hole, okay, that you'd be in. And then that way the water will, and then you leave it, you know, a space around it so that the water can run along the fence or get get away still. That that the pitcher's mouth is not blocking, making a dam, but it's just all just protecting the tree itself. And then you're planting the plant on to the, at the the top of the root ball on the top of the mound, and then you build this sort of a dike on the top of the mound to hold water that you want to water to get it started with. But the excess water that's coming off the lawn is actually just going by the plant. Okay. Okay, so you'd still make a little bit of a well to hold That's, some water yeah, when you're watering. Yeah, on the top but, of your, on top of your, what I call a pitcher's mount. Okay, and so. Okay, and it, then bet bet just to it, try a birch again. Yeah, if you can do, then you could do plant a birch there because I've done that in quite a few spots, especially condo areas where they have these swales and water coming off the downspouts and not very much space, you know, mm-hmm. and we've built those pitcher's mounds and that's the only way we're going to get, we got any plant to grow in there because there's just so much water because even there, there, there's some pumps were running constantly all summer long. And so it was making okay. that area just wet, right? 
And so either yeah. pitcher's mound or otherwise if you have lots of room, you can go to a Prairie Horizon alder, and then, but I'd still build the pitcher's mound no matter what plant I'd put there. Okay. Thank okay. you so much. You're welcome. That helps a lot. Yeah. Good luck. Uh, we have a couple of texts that we can get to here. Um, this one from Wanda in Saskatoon. What would be putting holes in my hollyhock leaves? I can't see any evidence of insects or caterpillars. What should I do to treat it? Yeah, it could be uh, with the hollyhocks. It could be a number of things. It could be a slug at nighttime could be coming. It could be a leaf hopper, which they just, as soon as you come by, they, they fly off and take off. So there's a whole bunch of different bugs that come and go. And so the other it, thing that could be is a fungal too, because the fungal you usually will see browning on yeah. the leaves first, and then the brown will fall out, oh, and okay. then you'll have a hole there as and, well too. And sometimes that's just from you know watering in you know when there's there's sunlight out, and it, the water droplet acts like a, like a like a magnifying glass. Okay, and it burns a hole in the leaf. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll see that too. Just make sure try to water early in the morning. And then by the time this, the sun gets really hot, the, the, the leaves are dry and don't water in the evening, okay? Because otherwise the water sits on the leaf all night long okay. and then you'll get fungals as well. If you think it's a bug, um, some uh, products that you can use, but if you don't actually see a bug on the, the yep. leaf, then that would be an issue. But bug mm-hmm. X, that would be the one I but would use. But take a look at the bottom side. If you're looking for yeah. the bugs, you got to look on the bottom side of the okay. leaves, okay? That's where they'll be. The they new won't be growth, s- the buds, and the yep. bottom side and of the they, leaf. They'll be sitting there. They won't be sitting on the top of the leaf. Okay. Um, this one coming from Cam and Esther Hazy. I have a two-year-old Selkirk flowering crab. I just planted this spring and it bloomed early. Now yep. the flowers are gone and it seems to have lost some leaves. The remaining ones are kind of a greenish purplish, not yep. very green or vibrant. Is yep. that normal? That's normal uh, because the, will have a, the leaves will be a little greenish purplish, but watch your moisture. Just okay. like I was talking about earlier about new plantings, the root ball sometimes dries out, okay, and, but the soil around it is wet. So watch for that. But then also sometimes what happens if you overwatered and the bottom of the hole fills up, you'll get the same results. So probe the soil down to the bottom of the planting hole. Find out what's happening down there. If it's wet at the bottom of the planting hole, aerate, poke some more holes. Okay. If it's dry, give it enough moisture just to keep it so it sustains itself. And when you water it, water it right at the trunk of the tree so you're watering that root ball that, that came in that pot, basically. Okay. Sounds good. Um, they're wondering, should they be fertilizing at all? Uh, you can fertilize it, but I don't like using uh, uh, like a like a like a thirty ten ten. I won't okay. let you use that. I'll use more of a a transplant. Uh, actually, if you just planted it, use a transplant fertilizer. It's called transplant or or root booster is another okay. name for it, and that'll just help get the roots going because that's really you're not trying to force the growth at the mm-hmm. top right now. I want to establish a root system. Perfect. Um, this one is, we were talking a little bit about ants and kind of pests earlier. So this one's uh, pretty on brand for the day so far. Uh, Dale is wondering, uh, this year they have some big mounds of ant hills. What's the best way to get rid of them? Yeah, the best way is you can use an ant dust or diatomaceous earth, okay? Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, diatomaceous earth is an organic way of, of killing the adults. But to really get rid of the, the, the queen from producing so many eggs is using wetting that area really well first right down to the ant colony, which is 12 inches down approximately, mm-hmm. and then putting the ant out nematodes, which is an insect that goes after the eggs of the ants. Will that work in an area that does not have any grass or anything like that? Yes, it will. It will. It will in any area as long as you can get water to it to moisten it first. The only areas it doesn't work for is underneath patio stones. Okay. Because how do you water underneath the patio stone? Yeah. It's dry underneath there, and they need moisture to nematodes to go through the moisture soil so underneath the uh, like a sidewalk or underneath the patio stones it's dry underneath there and the nematodes will never get to the area 
But remember, you need to keep that area moist in order for it to the, the nematodes, the, the, to, the work. nematodes yeah. to work. So you can't just ha- soak the area, put the nematodes in, and then leave and it. And just wander. You've got to keep it. Keep so it wet. nematodes keep moving from place to place in the colonies. So you want to keep it moist. Okay. Um, and probably the last one we'll get to on here here. Um, this one is from Karen, just northwest of Saskatoon. I have a patio tomato that has blossom rot. It's in a big pot sitting in a water bath. I only water from the bottom. My other tomato plants are fine. Uh, is, it is a slicer tomato. Yeah, um, some some varieties are more susceptible to blossom end rot than others. Okay, um, so it could just be choose a choose a hybrid rather than an heirloom variety. If I'm doing that, um, but you need to add a tomato fertilizer is really important and okay. consistent watering yeah. too. I mean, she says she's using bottom watering yes. permit, so that plant might be maybe saturated and then go really dry and then saturated and then really okay. dry. So with a tomato, you're better just to keep it consistent. Stick your finger into the top two inches of the soil when it feels dry to the touch water it um, and then make sure you're on a consistent pattern with that so we'll see blossom and rot from a two, few things inconsistent watering or lack of nutrients so make sure and you're kels- watching both calcium is series. a big one right mm-hmm. for tomatoes but honestly like joe was just saying it's inconsistent water, watering that causes the blossom and rot mostly all right and that okay. brings us to the end of the show for today thank you so much for all your calls and texts and uh, rick and joe will be back next week for for more garden talk right here on 650 ckom and 980 cjme